So today we're going to finish this series that I've called TKO, Fighting for a Good Faith. And just by way of review for a second, this is what we've covered over the course of these six weeks, fighting nationalism, racism, homophobia, violence, sexism, and today we're going to talk about ageism. We have used a smattering of different verses as the basis for what a good faith looks like. This comes out of 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you, were ma- when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And of course, this is the same Timothy that uh, we were talking about earlier in 2 Timothy. And He is encouraged to carry out his calling to make a difference. And we said that difference is not just personal, but sometimes it's systemic. And Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then we use one other verse as a basis of what life should look like. So in Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, the goal, the ideal, the kingdom of God looks like this. Jesus is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And of course, uh, that is something that we have longed for for generations, a peaceful society where people are able to get along. Well, sometimes what happens is there are certain people that get pushed aside in society, and the older we get, the more we see that society doesn't hold a whole lot of use for people that are beginning, beginning to experience ailments and illnesses and those type of things. And sometimes they are forgotten and left behind. But it's not just the old, sometimes it's the young as well. Sometimes kids are often pushed aside because they're too young to know anything, they are ignorant, they have no real world experience, that type of thing. So you have two extremes where kids are sometimes dismissed because they're ignorant and old people sometimes are dismissed because they're irrelevant. They don't make a contribution to society like they once did. Well, neither could be further from the truth because sometimes the things that most mark our lives are found on both end of the spectrums. So today, as we think about ageism, here's a definition for us to think about. A process of stereotyping and discriminating against people because of age. That's the definition I want to use for ageism. So what type of discrimination? That could be something policy-wise or it could be something personal when we dismiss a certain segment of society. And yet what we know is that there are some people that if they were dismissed too early in their life, they would never achieve some of the things that we look up to. So this past Tuesday night, there were two illustrations that came on my radar. One of them, you know, is a local kid that grew into one of the best basketball players in the history of the NBA. This past Tuesday night, he achieved the scoring, all-time scoring record 
uh, in the NBA as he passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so he has over 38,000 points over the course of his career. He's now 38 years old. He is an individual that is still playing some tremendous basketball, and he is doing it uh, at an age where most basketball players have retired several years prior. And so this mark of LeBron James on this shot right here, this fade back jumper, where he overcame Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record, if he was dismissed by his owners as getting too old or because he lost a step here or there, he would never have achieved that goal. But because he persevered and because he was an individual that not only wanted to continue to play basketball, but make sure that he was in the type of shape where he could continue to play basketball, he achieved this goal. On that same night, Esty and I watched a movie. It's called True Spirit. It was released not too long ago on Netflix. And it's the story of a young girl by the name of Jessica Watson. Jessica Watson uh, lived in Australia. And she grew up and her parents had a sailboat and she fell in love with sailing. And at a very young age, she uh, made a friendship with this guy who would become her coach. And when she was quite young, the age of 10, she said, I want to sail around the world. And so the coach discouraged her because that is a quite perilous feat. But at the age of 16, she got a boat, not very big, and she determined to sail all the way around the world. And in order for her to achieve the record of sailing nonstop around the world, she was not allowed to dock anywhere. And so she takes off at the age of 16, and she circumvents the entire globe, and she runs into some problems. She runs into a storm. And then she runs into a seven-day period where there's no waves and there's no wind, and because she's in a sailboat, she sits for seven days, not moving at all. Finally, the wind starts to pick back up, and she begins to move back to her course, and this time she comes into the storm of all storms. It flips her boat upside down. Her coach and her parents are monitoring where she's at in the world. And there's an alarm in this little boat that she called Pink uh, that goes off, that shows that she's in tremendous trouble. And so they think they're going to lose her. A wave comes along and happens to set the boat upright again, and she begins her journey again. By the time she circumvents the earth and comes back around to Sydney, Australia, and the Sydney Opera House in the back on the skyline, there's 80,000 people there welcoming her back into port because she is a national hero. Now, this is the film, but the story is true. There really was a Jessica Watson. 16 years old, that circumnavigated the entire earth without docking, who came this close to losing her life. 
This was back in 2009. She's a national hero in Australia. And what a sight it was to see 80,000 people that were able to celebrate an achievement no one thought possible. There was over a million people in downtown Cleveland to celebrate a championship when LeBron was our, on our team. And here he is celebrating something that no one thought was possible. What if we would have dismissed Jessica Watson? What if we would have dismissed LeBron because his salary was getting too big, he was too expensive, he lost a step or two? We would not have seen these two tremendous achievements on either end. So today, I want us to think about what does the scripture say about both ends of the spectrum? It has a lot to say, actually, and I want to share some of those with you. You know, ageism does affect everyone. You know, children as young as four years old become aware of their culture's age stereotypes against them. And some people, some children, internalize these stereotypes. And it prevents them sometimes maybe from being able to achieve some of the goals that they have. On the other end of the spectrum, as you know, ageism is everywhere within institutions and relationships. Ageism forms policies that sometimes limits the options of older people because they're too expensive now to take care of. And a lot of times we patronize both ends of the spectrum. You're just a kid. Shut up. Or you're about ready to cross over, right? Don't bother me. I have a life to live. And so sometimes, as you know, employees who have served their country uh, and have served their company for many, many years get pushed to the side, whether it's our military, retired, that sometimes don't get the type of attention that they need, or sometimes employees who get pushed aside because somebody younger is needed, or perhaps, perhaps they're too costly to the company. So sometimes it becomes public policy too. Sometimes when I hear things like, we're going to defund Social Security or try to get rid of Medicaid, is an unfair policy to those who worked hard and poured their entire life into Social Security, or they need the extra help in an extremely expensive period of time in their life. You know, it's easy to overlook people when you have privilege. And if you're at an age right now where you're enjoying a good salary and good options, it's easy to forget both sides. But Jesus never forgot. He was an individual that brought the children close to him. In Mark chapter 10, verse 14, there were all these kids that were running around as Jesus was teaching, and they were making some noise like kids do. And the disciples said, shoo them away, get them away, don't bother the master, right? And Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And he takes the children in his arms and he embraces them. 
And I'm sure he gave them a kiss, and I'm sure he encouraged them. And so on one end of the spectrum, what are we doing to pour encouragement into our kids and grandkids that make a huge difference in the legacy that they will live out the remainder of their years? On the other side, though, is the senior element of our society who have entered what is called the fourth age. As we age, sometimes we are seen as less human. Fear of aging stems from this being pushed aside. British sociologist Paul Higgs says, the fourth age is a stage that embodies the most feared and marginalized aspects of old age. It is the period of life where a person is advanced in years and frail or cognitively impaired and dependent upon other people. And sometimes people just go on with their life and they don't take account of people who still need love, who still need purpose, even in their later years. But the Bible talks a lot about the value of those who are aged people. Let me share with you a few verses here. In Job chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. In other words, those who have went through many decades of life experience have a lot to share, a lot of insights into life that those who are on the younger side of the journey do not have. Solomon, when he was reigning over the kingdom of Israel, sought the experience of older men in 1 Kings 12.6 to understand how to rule his kingdom. Then we see the psalmist saying, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. You know, there's still something to be shared. While we get frustrated with old people not being able to figure out technology or how to use their phone or use the computer, there is something in their stories. There's something that is shared in their life experience. There's something that Tom Brokaw calls the greatest generation that went through the Great Depression and all that it took to come out of that and still forge a life. It's a story of your grandparents. It's a story of my grandmother who had her husband leave her with four small boys during the Great Depression. She was a waitress and had to raise four boys on a waitress salary. At one time, they didn't have options to live and had to live on the second floor of a dance hall in Akron. As I've been doing a little bit of research about my ancestry, it's those type of pictures, it's those type of stories that make me feel proud, right? that make me feel proud that this is my family, that this is what they endured, and this is what they've come out the other side, and this is how they made a life. 
Estes family, too, went through a lot of different things when they immigrated to the States back in the 70s and had to start from scratch because they had to leave behind their life in Yugoslavia. You have a story like that. You have family members like that. Don't push aside their stories. Listen to them intently. Listen to them and learn and listen to who you are because they did what they did, right? Because there's a part of them in you, whether you realize it or not. In your stories, each of you have relatives. And if they're still living, they can tell you those stories verbally if they've already passed on. Unfortunately, Sometimes you have to piece it together, right? Through other family members or things that have been written down in journals or on the back of pictures or something. You know, even as far back as the book of Leviticus, it says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. Or in the case of our video clip earlier, an old woman. And you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. In other words, there's something about taking care of older people, taking care of the vulnerable, taking care of the needy that honors God. And there's something about people who can no longer help themselves in ways that they used to be able to, that honors God. I love the question that Moses asked Joshua in that video clip. Joshua, who would become his successor, right, later, after Moses is about to die, what is this old woman to you? And Joshua said, an old woman. That was enough of a reason for him to intervene. Not the Egyptian taskmasters, Ah, those who grease the stones so that they can move. Ah, what's that if they get crushed along the way? And Joshua, again, this is a mythological supplement to uh, the story in the Great Commandment movie. That's, you can't turn and find that story in the Bible. It's not there. However, it points out to us the idea that even on the end of the spectrum... There are individuals that make a difference. When the 12 spies go into the promised land to spy out the land before they would go in and settle, there were 12 spies that went and they came back and they reported to Moses. And 10 spies say they're big, they're powerful, they're tough, they've got weapons, I don't think we should go in. But there were two that said we should go. One was Joshua. Does anybody remember the other one? Caleb. Caleb was the old man in the group. Caleb was the individual that probably shouldn't have even gone on the journey because there would have been younger folks that could have actually done that. But when he comes back, he's the one that sides with Joshua and he says... Let's go. God's on our side. So 
this is a picture for us of stories and images and policies sometimes that we need to fight for to continue to honor people that are closer to the next life than the amount of time they have left in this life. But I want to share with you one interesting passage of Scripture because I can't think of another time where I will ever share this passage again, okay? So, I ran across this online. Don't piss off old people. The older we get, the less life imprisonment is a deterrent. (laughs) But there's this story in 2 Kings, and there is a prophet by the name of Elisha. He has just succeeded Elijah. Elijah has finished his earthly ministry, and 2 Kings tells us that Elijah was taken up into heaven. All that was left behind for Elisha was the mantle of Elijah to carry on the ministry and the legacy of Elijah. And so he does. He takes up the mantle of Elijah, and he continues to try to minister to the nation of Israel. And one time when he was traveling, he runs into a situation, and here's the verse. It's 2 Kings chapter 2, 23 through 25. And again, I preface this by saying, I don't know whenever I'll use this verse ever again, but it fits here. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy, they said. Get out of here, baldy. And he turned around and he looked at them and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel and there he returned to Samaria. Now, isn't that a strange story in the the Bible? Now, I don't know what's really going on. Obviously, he has a receding hairline. Get out of here, baldy. But the Hebrew is literally, go up from here, Baldy, go up from here, Baldy. If you remember the previous chapter, you will find that Elijah goes up from where he's at. He's taken into heaven. These boys might have been saying, we got rid of the other one. You go on up too. You go on up too. Just get lost. Now, I don't know what to make of these two bears that come out and says mauled 42. This might be mythological, I don't know, but the point is being made in the text. The primary point is these are the prophets of God. Listen to them. These are the prophets of God. Honor them. These are the prophets of God. Follow them. Are you following what I'm saying? I think that's the point of the story. But uh, if you ever want to intrigue some young kids turn to this passage and they'll, they'll get a, a kick out of the, you know, two bears and 42 kids maybe. So here's the deal. Eventually, we will all pass into the fourth age. Eventually, the years will accumulate. Eventually, we will lose strength. 
eventually we lose eyesight. Eventually we lose our hearing. Eventually we might even lose our ability to remember. Or the things that we do remember are no longer current things, but things from years ago. Remember that our society doesn't hold much of a place for individuals that have these struggles. I mean, the people we look up to are the athletes and celebrities and YouTubers and those type of things. But within the kingdom of God, there should be, there really should be a place for all people. And there should be a place that we hear the stories and there should be a place where we honor those who have come before us. Even in the Ten Commandments, it says, honor your father and mother that it might go well with you. May that be something that we all make a priority. So let's wind this series down and take a peek into 2 Timothy one more time. So we have dipped our toe into 1 and 2 Timothy through all of these messages. But as Paul's life is about ready to end, he writes this about his own life. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I fought for a good faith. I fought for a faith that would benefit others. I fought for a faith that would establish churches and bring people to Christ. And so now he's about ready to go. And he's about ready to cross over. And the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12 that that there is a great cloud of witnesses that leave behind their testimony that encourage us to reach the shore abroad. I heard this song that I'd like us to close with this morning. It's by Annie Lennox. And it's a song that actually comes from the film Lord of the Rings. And I want us to hear a fabulous voice along with a wonderful script. Look at the words of this song and think of not only your relatives that had to cross the bar into the next life, but our day will approach as well. Let's listen.
Isn't that a great song? I could listen to her voice all day. Stand with me. So Joshua is asked in that mythological supplement, what is this old woman to you? And Joshua says, an old woman. And that's enough. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we can learn of your perspective on life, on love, and on legacy, and upon those who in their later years sometimes are frustrated because they can't do what they once did. May we be your embrace to those individuals that need a touch. May we be your hands and feet in the lives of those who need to be helped up. Give to us a starting point within our own families and help us not to be frustrated because we want to be doing other things. Help us to understand that some of the most important things we do in life is to pour time into those that are young and those that are aged, help us to see that this is 
the type of faith, a good faith, that is worth fighting for. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. If you're going to go with us to Melt two weeks from today, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board out there. Have a good day and have a great week.